0: Our readings from 1 Peter, chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. If you want to look it up in your phones. 1 Peter 1, verse 3. It has the heading, Praise to God for a Living Hope. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, can never spoil or can never fade, kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed." Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Hello, everyone. So, I'm Sam. I'm part of the staff team here. And if uh, you are listening in from on the Zoom meeting at seven, then um, I'm sorry not to be with you. I've really enjoyed the weeks that I've been joining you on the seven o'clock Zoom. Okay. Um, I've got a couple of things to set up. I have a very large tissue box because I've suffered terribly with hay fever for the last few days. And I've been trying to sort it out by lying down. And if I sneeze, it's going to be frightening. Um, my sneezes are really loud. They are so loud that in our first house, me and, uh, when Phil and I got married, we lived in a little Victorian terrace, and um, we lived there a few weeks and a little bit shy, and then we met the neighbours and their little boy. And... Um, introduced ourselves and the little boy who was about eight said, oh, so you're the lady that sneezes really loudly because they could hear it through the walls. Well, hopefully that isn't going to happen, but just in case, I'll just pop those down there. Um, so this week we are looking at together at the final chapter in this Andy Ollerton's book. And uh, so I'm going to guide us through through that. And this final chapter is really a story of hope and a story of home. And I think in these troubled times, it is really good that we have a story of hope and that we remember we are part of an epic story. And I hope that as we gather together uh, this evening, we will be able to lift up our eyes higher than we've lifted them for a while. And we will be able to look into the eyes of Jesus. And I was reminded of that old hymn that we, when we look upon, we stare upon his glory and grace. And the things of the earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. And that is what I pray today, that the stuff of this world might dim a little as we look at him and the wonderful things he's done and the wonderful way he invites us into an epic story of of recreation at the end of time. Okay, let's go. So have you ever thought of the Bible as a story of home? Genesis, right at the start, reveals human, human beings perfectly at home with God, walking with him in the cool of the evening. But sin, that human tendency to think we know best, invades this perfect landscape of communion with God. And humans are sent away from home, exiled, separated from this perfect home with God. And throughout the stories of the Old Testament, we get many glimpses of God uh, inviting us home through the people of Israel. And we see this, for example, in his presence in the temple and in things like the invitation to Sabbath rest, the invitation to stop a while and remember that he is God and we are invited into a life with him. And then Jesus, the perfect representation of God, steps into our time. And in his life on earth, demonstrates healing and deliverance and mercy and justice. He gives us glimpses into all the signs of what it is like to live at home, at peace with God. And not only does Jesus show us Not only does he demonstrate what a life at home with God is like, but he invites us to join him. He invites us home. He invites us back into peace with God. And we are invited to follow him and his life and his death and his resurrection, make it possible for us to follow him into an eternal story, into a story that makes what happens to us day to day Though it can drag us so far down, it feels like it takes up all of us, it's like this big in comparison to the enormous eternity that we will have in the living presence of God. So we are invited into God's eternal story through Jesus. We are shown the way home, we are shown the way back to God. Jesus visits us in exile to point the way home to the Father. So thanks to Jesus. We have hope in this life, and we have hope in the life to come. And in addition to all this, as if that wasn't a good enough package, in addition to this, we get invited to partner with God, the Holy Spirit, and to join him in doing even greater things than Jesus did, to reveal, to give others here on earth a glimpse of heaven, to pray for others that they might be healed, to show mercy, to be generous with our stuff, to offer forgiveness. All these are ways that we can help those around us who know nothing of God to have a little glimpse, to like peep through the keyhole of what it might be like to live at peace with God, to live at home with him. And so we get invited to be people that pull the curtain back a little bit and say, hey, look, you too can find a home with God. Now, like the Israelites in exile who never belonged in Egypt, we too live on this earth, but we don't belong here. We belong to the kingdom of heaven, and the life of Jesus reveals what that is like and gives us hope. And the final book of the Bible, Revelation, with its extraordinary visions and imagery, shows us what is coming, albeit in some very bizarre ways. Think of it as um, like looking um, through one of those wonderful picture books that you might have shared with your children. These lavish pictures that point towards something you can barely understand. Think of, think of those visions and those images in Revelation as being like that, as being as close as we get to understanding something that's sort of 99% impossible for our human minds to grasp at the moment. So in this final book, God shows us an eternal perspective that if we keep following Jesus, we get to be part of. Life is short here, and in following Jesus, we get to be part of a much bigger eternal story of hope, and justice and recreation. The book of Revelation reminds us to lift up our eyes and look where our hope comes from. The book of Revelation invites us to look up again at the glory and the wonder of everything Jesus has done and to allow that to influence how we operate whilst we're still here. So this eternal perspective I've been thinking is so important. As this, this, this revelation, these visions were given to John, they would have been a great comfort to him and to his people because uh, the Romans were doing all kinds of hideous domination of the Christians. And, they, and so today... As we face all kinds of personal and global troubles, let's allow the words of revelation, that eternal story that we're invited into, to help us manage the pain in our bodies, the pain in our mind, the troubles of this world, because we have a cosmic context of hope. We belong in a cosmic story that takes into account the troubles of this world, which incidentally, remember, Jesus isn't surprised by. Many times he says, don't let the troubles of this world get you down. Don't worry about tomorrow. He knows our human tendency to do that, to allow those things to get in the way. And so he acknowledged this that we heard in the reading, there are troubles, there are sufferings in this world. Uh, but we can put those, we can experience those sufferings in a bigger story, in an eternal story of hope. So in the reading that uh, we listen to, we read that we will suffer for a little while all kinds of troubles, but Jesus will be revealed in glory. That's a definite And uh, our goal is to endure and be strengthened by his glorious presence in the troubles of this world. And to feed upon an eternal perspective really helps us with that. We are invited to live this life from heaven's perspective. We know how the story ends, and let's allow the ending of the story to equip us and strengthen us now. Now, this isn't always easy, and it was brought home to me a bit recently. It's so, so the weather's so beautiful this weekend, maybe you have forgotten that about five days ago, it was pouring down for about two weeks. It was absolutely savage. And as you know, we have a little dog, and he really wants to go out whatever the weather. And so when it's raining, I have a special walk that I do near where I live because the trees come over the path like this. And they're, they're like over the path for a long time. And I'm like, mm, I know where we're going because going to stay a little bit drier if we take that walk but I had been taking that walk twice a day every day that it rained and uh, then one day it was a bit warmer so and a bit clearer so I just went on a different walk and the other walk takes me over a bridge and into a field and from this field which is sort of near the canal if you want to go look at it uh, the landscape isn't all covered in by trees like this when you look you can look down and you can see the canal and you can see the city and you can see the cathedral and honestly I'm not joking I turned around and I looked at it and I was like oh I'd kind of forgotten that was there I'd got so used to walking with my hood up in this covered little alleyway that I was like oh hang on there's a beautiful open spacious place this is the story I'm part of And that can happen to us, can't it, when things within us drag us down, when external things drag us down. One of the things that I've um, needed to tackle in my formation is how I was uh, listening to the news too much. You know, I'd get up, and I'd listen to the Today programme, and then I'd listen to the World at One, and then I'd like, oh, PM's on, switch that on. And I was kind of listening to too much stuff that was closing me in. So I'm rationed to one program a day. And I have to say, that's helped me. That's helped me to have a clearer horizon. And so there may be some practical things we can do to lift up our eyes and remember that we're part of a bigger story. It might be what you choose to listen to. It might be what you choose to read or watch. It might be where you go for a walk. I don't know what your story is. But why not do something practical this week? to help remind you that your life has a big ending. It's not going like this, it's going like this. You're entering into a huge, spacious place that's bigger than you could possibly imagine. So, Revelation both acknowledges the troubles of the world and invites us to see ourselves and this life in an eternal context, and that is to strengthen us in our lives now. In Revelation uh, 1.17, Jesus speaks to John as the vision sort of is revealed. And he says, don't be afraid. I'm the first. I'm the last. I'm the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever. And I think that is something like the Lord would remind us of today. It's like, I am the same everywhere through all time. But guys, look. I am alive forever. And so let's invite the Holy Spirit to let that sink into our hearts and mind. Look, Jesus is alive forever. And it is Jesus who's revealed in Revelation 5 as having the authority to open the scrolls that open God's perfect plan for the renewal of the cosmos. His sacrifice, his suffering has created a way not to just strengthen us as individuals, but to transform the entire universe. Revelation 5 9 goes like this. You, it's Jesus they're thinking of, you are worthy to open the scrolls and to open its seals because you were slain, and your blood and with your blood you were purchased from God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. And this is to us. uh, He has made them a people to serve God. We are made a people to serve God, and we will reign on the earth. That is what we're being made for. All these sufferings, all this stuff that happens in this bit is to lead into this enormous bit that we can't imagine where we get to reign with God and to serve him forever. And what an extraordinary privilege that is. Just as in the beginning, uh, John's gospel tells us Jesus was there at the beginning. Just as he was there at the beginning. In the beginning of that perfect home in Genesis time that we mentioned, so again, we get to be at home with Jesus and to reign with him in his perfect recreation. And there's so much more good news that is to come, which is that justice is coming. We all hate unfairness, don't we? It's a massive problem. It's a personal problem. It's a communal problem. It's a cultural problem. It's an international problem. And Revelation 19 tells us that God will make judgments. And his judgments are not like our judgments. His judgments are fair and true. And I was reminded of those words uh, by the prophet Amos that justice and mercy will flow like a river. God's judgments hold justice and mercy like that. So we don't need to be terrified of the justice of God. We can welcome it because it is love and mercy flowing flowing like a river, flowing and flowing. And when you think it stopped flowing, it carries on flowing. And even better, evil will for once and for all be crushed. Revelation 17 shows us an extraordinary image, an extraordinary picture, if you like. Um, And Babylon, which was uh, kind of symbolic of... um, Uh, A community that was obsessed by its selfishness, its wealth, its greed, its materialism, its exploitation is represented as a prostitute sitting on a great beast. And this graphic image represents the unfaithfulness of humanity, the materialism, the inequality and the terribleness of evil that we have allowed our hearts to be captured by and these terrible injustices that we see played out in society now with extreme materialism greed selfishness hunger all over the place prejudice all these things will once and for all be crushed by Jesus and revelation 17:14 says they that's the bad stuff will wage war against the lamb that's Jesus but the lamb Will triumph over them because he is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. The loving, lamb like, innocent sacrifice of Jesus that is what wins. His love wins. And Jesus will return in power, he's the ultimate authority. His love wins, and he returns to herald a new creation where there is no more suffering. There's no more physical suffering, there's no more emotional pain or mental pain. Every tear is wiped away, and God will, in some extraordinary way that we can hardly imagine, actually live among us. Just like in the beginning of the Eden story of flourishing and peace with God and walking in the cool of the evening, so in this recreated world, we will experience being part of a cosmic regeneration John tells us a little of the vision of this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and earth, where we are, had passed away. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, God's dwelling is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or pain, for the old order has passed away. God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. He will wipe every tear. Imagine that. And there will be no more death or mourning or loss or pain for the old order has passed away. One of the ways Andy Ollerton describes this in the book is he uh, quotes from C.S. Lewis, who says, now we are a shadow of what we will be. We have a glorious future where we get to be in the presence of God in a way that we could not imagine, in a world that is working like it's designed to be. You have meaningful work that you won't get fed up about. You know, you'll be able to make things and enjoy being with people and they won't get on your nerves and um, there'll be great generosity and love and uh, honestly, we can't imagine it, can we? But this extraordinary hope, this, this thing that is like way beyond what your best day might be. Think about what your best day's been ever. Got that. What's coming is nothing like that. You will look back at that and think, oh, that wasn't very good because your total being will be transformed by being in the presence of God. So these words of Jesus at the beginning of Revelation where he says, I am the first, uh, the last and the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever. Jesus is right there revealing himself to be alive and eternal. And as soon as we say yes to Jesus, as soon as we say yes to him and let our life story be placed in the context of his cosmic story, right at that moment, we are born of the Spirit of God. We are reborn into this cosmic, eternal story. And if that's a new idea to you, do have a chat with someone um, at the end, someone that comes here or, or one of us, because we would love to explain a little bit more about how you can know Jesus in this way and how you can have assurance that the pain of this world will end and you will get to be part of something wonderful. As soon as we turn to Jesus and we are born of the Spirit of God, our life story stops being an earthbound story and starts being an eternal story. So stop thinking of yourself as earthbound, and it helps if you don't listen to the news too much, I find. Um, Stop thinking of yourself as earthbound and know that you are eternal. You are seated in heavenly places with Christ. You are visiting here and in exile here. And hopefully that's a privilege for the people around us because we want to be giving them glimpses of the glorious future and giving people as many opportunities as possible to say yes to this extraordinary future which Jesus has already done everything that is necessary to bring about. So this eternal perspective offers us hope now. In following Jesus, this life on earth starts to be not just a tiny chapter or a page or a paragraph. It's like tiny in the face of what is to come. And we are part of an epic story which can strengthen us as we live our tiny little paragraph of life here. So, what if we did start living from this eternal perspective? What if we enjoyed all the beauty? and the fun, and the friendship, and the warmth, and the lovely things of this world. We can still enjoy all of those things, but what if we lived and enjoyed those things not as if our life depended on it? What if we used our money, for example, or our home, not as if our life depended on it? Because actually, our life doesn't depend on those things. Our life depends on that yes we say to Jesus that births us into this epic story. Let's live life here on earth with our eyes set on our home with God. We're seated in heavenly places. We belong to him. We belong to his big story. As was reminded of that hymn at the beginning where we fix our eyes upon Jesus and we look him in the face and the things of earth grow strangely dim. They don't have the same hold over us when we look at him. Like the things that we might really want, we sort of start to not want so much when we look at him. The bad stuff we might want to do mm, doesn't feel quite as tempting when we look at him. So The society around us now today could be quite radically transformed if we looked at him a little longer and if we kept in mind a little more strongly the home to which we are heading and to which we are invited. And what if we gave ourselves here on earth to giving people that don't know about the eternal story as many opportunities as possible to glimpse the kingdom of heaven? What if we gave ourselves to generosity and demonstrations of healing and deliverance? What if we decided every day that our job was to reveal the kingdom of God to someone else so that they knew they had a home that was somewhere else? What about if we decided that tomorrow or later on today? What if we decided to use our resources or our attitudes to release generosity and hope to those around us that they might You know, look through the door jamb, be able to peep through the keyhole at a different kind of future. We have hope as we focus upon where we belong and where we are heading. And we live here as exiles. But while we are here, we get to enjoy the presence of God by His Holy Spirit. And we have the privilege of living lives that point the way home through demonstrations of love and power. Just as Jesus did, just as Jesus did, we have in our ordinary everyday lives opportunity after opportunity to reveal the kingdom of heaven to someone through the things that we do or the things that we don't do, the words that we say, the prayers that we make, the invitations we offer. It, every day we get to invite someone else to the immense banquet that there will be when Jesus returns again. So I'm going to say a prayer. Jesus, we are so in awe of the beauty of your sacrifice, and we thank you, God, for where you have invited us to place our lives in your story. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help us. Help us, God, to know when we have gone wrong and when we have looked to the ground or looked under that alley of trees and forgotten where we belong. We are sorry for those times, God. And we lift up our eyes to you now. Lord Jesus, would you send your Holy Spirit to help us be people that can... Give others glimpses of eternal life. Give other people invitations to your banquet. Help us to be people that live lives that tell others of a bigger story, we pray. Amen.